Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Now let's get to the episode. Presented by Hunting Exchange, a marketplace for serious hunters by serious hunters. All right, folks, welcome to the outro, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! All right, guys, we're here. It's, it's gonna be an interesting one, and I'm, I'm being filmed from like six different directions. It feels like right now, cameras all on me at the point. So, uh, anyways, on this outro, it's gonna be a little bit different. Uh, we've got, of course, uh, the Dilla Michael Pike who's filming me right now for whatever reason on his phone, <laughs> just to make you awkward. Uh, can, you, can we just talk about how Jacob was just whining about how we're all low energy when we start, and he's like, "Hello, everybody. This is we're doing an outro." <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's what I'm here for. All right, so uh, of course, you got. Andrew Maxwell on here, the wizard. Okay. But also we have Thomas Myers uh, on the podcast. Thomas, how are we related again? Uh, I'm the best brother there ever been. Okay. Yeah. He's he, the better looking brother. He, he, absolutely. Have you seen his hair? Look at that dude. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so we got my youngest brother on Thomas Myers, uh, who goes to school in Arkansas, who just killed a big old bear uh, up in Arkansas on some public land. So uh, we are about to talk about that in this outro as well. But uh, before we do, I want to mention our Patreon partners uh, for our giveaways that we going that we have going on. Uh, so uh, every month, guys, we have these uh, this massive giveaway that we do for all of our Patreon members, uh, and we have some companies that have uh, sponsored these giveaways for the whole fall. Uh, so I just want to kind of go through them, give a shout out to all these companies. And again, if you want to win any of these uh, pieces of gear or store credits or gift certificates, all you have to do is just join our Patreon, which is down in the show notes below on this podcast. But a uh, shout out to a Backwoods Grind Coffee Company, along with Backwoods Mobile Gear, JX3 Outdoors, Out on Limb Manufacturing, MobileHuntingGear.com, and Cash River Leather. Uh, you guys have been fantastic in supporting us. Uh, and again, guys, we appreciate all the Patreon supporters as well. Uh, got some awesome giveaways. Just over about $500 worth of gear uh, we're giving away through the Patreon program. So appreciate that. Y'all can go check those informations out. And also look in the show notes below. Andrew, I know I just, you know. Hey. <laughs> you can go check those informations on, I know, out. I know Hooked on Phonics did not work for me. But uh, you can click the show notes below to check out some of those other Patreon partners. But all right, boys. We have Thomas on here, but we're sure going to talk about the bear in just a second. But before we get to that point, um, what do you think about old Rusty Johnson, Andrew? Uh, got my wheels turning about hunting some more hilly stuff around here. Um, I don't want to say too much about that, actually. Well, well why not? Uh, I don't know. Just because people people always figuring out where we're hunting, man. I literally uh, just got a text uh, two seconds ago where, where a fella, a listener messaged us. And he's like, hey, I heard you were possibly uh, – thinking about coming and hunting so-and-so on one of the podcasts. And he said, you didn't come out and say it, but I figured it out. And I'll be danged if he didn't figure it out. So, anyways. Um, oh, so now you're trying to get a little secretive. Michael, you see this? A little secretive. So, yeah, a little secretive. Hey, he's, he's trying to hold his cards real tight to that chest. Yeah. Hey, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting about how he's uh, he's keying in on the steeper slopes and the places that people don't normally hunt and uh like he was talking about the rubs on the really steep slopes and it took me a minute to think about that because i was like wait do i ever see that because i like i'm guilty of that dude i never get on those steep slopes i hit the top and i hit the bottom and i don't hit the stuff in between that much but it kind of made me wonder how much buck travel happens on those steeper slopes in between where i typically walk that i'm missing you know because where i was at two weeks ago i think we talked about it on the last outro i was on um, I did go down one of those steep slopes and I did find all those rubs and beds and there's like boulders and mountain laurel and they're like tucked right up in that stuff and faint trails, just like he was talking about. So, um, I don't know. Got, got me interested, man. Go put my cell camera on one of those, which I thought got washed away in this flood, but Ooh. it sent me a picture about 30 minutes ago. I was like, Whew. okay, cool. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> Mike, old Dilla, what you thinking? Uh, it just reminded me a lot of uh black warrior and skyline. You think? Yeah. So. Yeah, a lot of a lot of similarities there. <clears throat> yeah, I, I th- found it interesting about how he's just approaching these drainages. So Thomas, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, um, you know, he's focusing on the in the Ozark Mountains a lot of these different bigger drainages, and, and also some of these ditches on these ridges. He's not worrying about benches. He's not worrying about saddles, uh, anything like that. He's hunting down in these drainages, uh, which I found when he said that when I first talked to him. I was very curious. I was like, okay, like, okay. I'm like, this is interesting. Okay. Why? And he kind of explained it like he did on the podcast. And I'm thinking, you know, if I'm hunting the mountains, you know, saddles and benches, 
I didn't really think about drainages at all. I mean, even told Thomas, never thought about drainages. And that's how Russ I was like, Hey Thomas, I'm going to check out one of these drainages. And, uh, that's just so interesting that the key in on those things that most guys aren't sitting on. I mean, how many guys, do you know, are going to go sit off a steep drainage, catching that faint, you know, trail where these bucks coming across at a certain elevation instead of hunting the bigger sign up top or the bigger sign down below where all the rubs and scrapes could be, you know, kind of isolated at, you know, it doesn't have to be like mountainous terrain because we got steep stuff around here with, and so I could like immediately relate with the ditches he was talking about, which is kind of funny, you know, like guys in flatland call a two foot increase a ridge and guys in the mountains call like a drain, like a little valley, a ditch, you know, when I think ditch, I think of like a ditch in like a field or something. So uh, a little terminology there that was interesting, but around here, those ditches that he talked about, we have the same things. And you know who talked about killing bucks and stuff like that? Don Cicero. He talks about that a little bit. Um, I can't remember if we talked to him about it on the show or if it was after, but he's talked about that kind of stuff because I think it might have been me and you, Michael, were talking to him about that. And uh, we were talking about how we always see buck signs in places like that, but we're like, man, we just don't know how to hunt them because they're like steep, like very tight little drainages that these deer work in. And we're like, well, how do they use them? How do they do this? How do they do that? So I don't know. It gives me a little bit more confidence maybe trying to hunt something like that this year. Just because I've never tried it before. Because I've always been afraid of going in there and getting busted in the wind and everything. But I'm like, well, I haven't tried it. So might as well try it. You never know. Yep. Uh, things that I took away is a lot of these people run a lot of cameras. And it's very concentrated when they're productive. You know, like a two to three week period during the rut. Well, you say a lot of people run trail cameras. Like what? Like I, I, well, I've never met someone that run that many trail cameras. I mean, he's talking eighty to hundred. Yeah, no. But he said it's between like three guys. So I mean, they're looking thirty plus per guy. Yeah, that's a lot. Of that's cameras. a lot of cameras. Yeah, oh, but the smokes. people we've, a lot of the people we've talked to, you know, hunt a, a lot of days in a row, um, a lot of hours during the rut, and typically on these, you know, terrain features. Uh, People that come to mind like uh, Michael Perry, you know, really focusing on these very, you know, hunting these areas a lot of days in a row and make sure they get that, you know, timing. You know, these these bucks, they don't come through like very often, but they will eventually come through. And you just got to be there and be con- patient, basically. Also, I want to take something part of that statement. Not everybody we talked to about this does the same style, but the guys that are in the mountains are all similar. That's, right. that's what that's, you should say. Yeah, Not that's like, what I'm... So, like, the guys in the mountains, yes, I agree. Guys in the mountains, very similar style. All the successful ones, you know, that they're sticking with, they're playing, they have a lot of confidence in knowing where the deer are going to be coming through, and it's just a lot of patience, uh, which, I mean, is different from other places that, you know, we've interviewed from. But, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And yeah, now think about all the guys in the mountains are a decent – portion of the guys in the mountains i'm thinking of run uh, you know a good number of cameras um i, I can't remember what uh, nathan killian uh did i don't know if he ran it there's a ton of ton of cameras um but you know that's this really interesting again that the patience factor plays a huge part and also sit in the same spots that you know can be productive because it's a great terrain funnel for whatever reason that buck might it might take him a week before he comes through there but he's going to come through there and if you're you hunt three days in a row but you didn't hunt that fourth day when he goes by on the fourth day that was your chance yeah yeah <laughs> Is, I like what he said about the big, heavy trails, too, because that's something that I spent a long time getting distracted with those big, heavy trails. And uh, the first time it dawned on me that those trails, like, are there for, like, they've been there for a really long time is 
2015, we took a vacation out to Terlingua, Texas, which is like high desert type stuff. I don't know if it's high desert per se, but it's it's desert, um, and it's like mountainous desert, and there's mule deer and all kinds of stuff out there. And you'd be hiking, and there'd be a deer trail going like up and around this mountain, and it it looks like a hiking trail. It's like really impressive. And we were talking to some people about that, and they were t- they were saying like there's not that many deer out here that trail has just been there forever. And I think that one of them, I think the first time I ever heard the term like quote unquote ancient trail, it's like deer have been using that trail for forever. And so it looks like that, even though, you know, a deer might not come through there very much. Right. So like every three weeks or something, if that. Yeah. So. And then also what we're going to talk about is him talking about the scrapes and like, Oh yeah, you know, the scrapes are kind of interesting. You know, they're good to be around, but not hunting right there on top of them. It's going to play a factor for you, Thomas, when we're talking about some of this stuff. You know, getting torqued about some scrapes up on top of some of those ridges and everything else. But before we get to that, uh, you what else did y'all have takeaways from? I know, I know one thing that the one thing I was the most interested in talking to Rusty about was the ditches and like this his approach to mm-hmm. hunting ditches. I just found very very interesting. You know, interior edges is something you know I've heard. I haven't heard that terminology or using that term before. But Michael, you know, you talk about the soft edges. That's something we've talked about before. Kind of those you know subtle vegetation uh, edges inside closed canopy well clarification so technically like in i guess like if you're talking about it i don't know what the right word is but a soft edge it's not really a soft edge because if it's a if it's going from wide open hardwoods to wide open pines that's still a hard edge between those two a soft edge is where you have like where we hunt north alabama where you have a field edge where there's like your timber and then there's saplings and then there's grass and then there's shorter grass and there's a field. That's a soft edge where it's like spread out over like 15 yards. Like, I don't know, just terminology. Yeah. I, I think the hunting terminology though, over the years from the forums, such as like the hunting beast, um, the soft edge being just two different kinds of a, a transition or a difference in the kind of cover. So like, Pines meets hardwoods, um, pines meet sage, um, like hardwoods meet cutover that's grown mm-hmm. up for several years, and then a hard edge being filled, new cutover, something where it's very abrupt and there's no cover on the ground. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm sure there's some, some differences in terminology from school and proper terminology versus, <laughs> you know, just hunting terminology, but... Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, Jacob, you said um, you were talking about the Appalachians, and you said Appalachians, and so you probably made people from that region mad because you pronounced it wrong. It is what it is. <laughs> you, you don't listen to this podcast for, for a lot of correct um, punctuation. Um, I don't know. That's, that's not my specialty. Pronunciations. Good catch. <laughs> pronunciations yeah you can't see me winking right now make sure keep your mic on his toes but um yeah apologize guys if that made you upset hopefully it didn't don't be don't be hopefully that people aren't that sensitive but maybe they are if that's your pressure point now back to the episode um also another thing that i found was interesting was again just the lack of pattern i don't know if y'all really picked up on that just like the lack of pattern either yearly pattern or anything especially after after running so many trail cameras i was i was thinking that there'd be some pattern to that or also movement based off uh you know position of a ridge you know east facing slopes west facing slopes southern facing slopes like some kind of pattern like oh yeah i've had more success on 
a southern facing slope for whatever reason because he likes northwest winds. I'm just, yeah. you know, for what he's like, no, it, it's all over the place. Um, so I found that really, really interesting because, like, a lot when I asked that question, I was like, you know, does you, you thought know, it was going in one I, direction? It, he took the set, he took the wind out of my sails. Like, <laughs> dang, well, I mean, it, it goes back to like looking at this GPS data, like, you go into it with this mindset of, hey, this oh, yeah. is something I've seen a lot of, and then you look at it. And, and it's you're like, like no. oh man, <laughs> not quite. Yeah. Well, I I like that too. About yes, about the uh, leeward side. And he's like, no, nah, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I liked that answer. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just more about kind of woodsmanship and just again time in the woods. Hey, that's a big factor with a lot of the successful hunters is time in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's 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 huge. Um. About the about the burp. I didn't want to burp in the mic, guys. Everybody looked at me all awkward to like again. Um. What are you doing? I don't. I don't. Didn't even look at you. Really. <laughs> I, I saw you, Michael. Like Michael sent off to my left, and he got slowly looked over that right shoulder at me. Andrew kind of looked up at me too. I was like, "Okay, hold on, guys. You know, give me a second here." Um, now, by the way, the feedback from having Tyler on the podcast has been very entertaining and interesting. So I was like, "Man, old old Tyler might need to have to come on the podcast once a month or so." Yeah, we as, got, as, we got as feedback an, from a, it as sure. a as a uh, country cut celebrity. Uh, yes. Yeah. If y'all have not listened to the part where Tyler talks about <laughs> his deer running through the beginner's class archery of the church in Geraldine. Oh my God. Oh man. I was, I was laughing so hard. Yeah. We need a, uh, we need fair warning for when Tyler has to come back on. Cause I'll need to take the next day off of work so I can edit that podcast. <laughs> that was a long edit session, boys. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. But uh, yeah, that was a that was a hilarious episode. Actually, I was uh, listening to the episode while we were going over for the, for the service, and I you know, was driving over listening. And I, when he got to that part talking about the the archery shoot, I was crying. <laughs> I mean, and then also, so PK, so PK texted me, and PK was like, "Hey, man, you know he doesn't really have that story right. You know, he he, he, <laughs> left, he, he stretches the truth yeah, a he, little he, bit. He, usually. Left, he, he left out some parts, <laughs> and uh, he texted me, but he's like, and then he's he te- PK texted me again. He was like, "Hey, he's like, dude, he's like." By the third or fourth time when Tyler said, it's Tyler here, yeah, guys, or whatever he said. He's Tyler like, here. It's Tyler here. Uh, he's like, dude, I was crying. I'm like, me too, because I got to that point when he was started telling the story, uh, and I was just, it's funny, dude. And that's just Tyler's personality. I mean, it's nothing like he was putting on the show. I mean, that's Tyler's personality yeah. all the time. Yep. So, but anyway. <laughs> um, well, do you have anything else kind of about this episode? Any other takeaways? Anything else that y'all kind of found interesting perspective-wise or This podcast is supported by Hunting Exchange. Now, Hunting Exchange, if you haven't heard, is an app for iOS and Android that is your one-stop shop to buy and sell all of your used hunting equipment. Now, the great thing about this, especially as a buyer, you can go on there and find some great deals on used equipment from other outdoorsmen from across the country. One great thing you go on there, unlike social media platforms like what you would find on, say, like Facebook, you can actually go on Hunting Exchange and find some great deals on bows, tree stands, saddles, technical apparel, knives, broadheads, the whole nine yards really one great thing about it is again it's secured and supported by paypal so when you go on all your purchases are insured through paypal so you can buy with confidence now the great thing is also as a seller you can go on there and be a part of a great network of other outdoorsmen and be able to go on and sell whatever gear you'd like and be able to reach more people without having to worry about being banned or blocked on social media platforms like what we see on facebook again it's a great place to go purchase your gear and also connect with other outdoorsmen across the country Cruiser Saddles is the newest addition to companies supporting this podcast. Cruiser is the maker of saddles and saddle hunting gear. 
Uh, me and Jacob actually met Chad, the owner, at our Posen Brews event in March of 2020. We were demoing a lot of different saddles there from a lot of different companies, and he showed up with his products, which were brand new at the time, and everybody there was extremely impressed with him, including me and Jacob. We ended up getting some of the saddles for this past hunting season, used them all year from, basically we started hunting in August and hunted until February. No complaints, really liked them, the durability was there, the comfort was there, the wearability was there, you know, walking in and out to the stand, so we are very impressed. You can go back to some of the episodes from last year and actually hear us, you know, live through the season talking about these things. We talked about them a lot in the podcast from last year's season. Just really impressed, and we think you would like them too, so go to their website and check them out. We ran the XC, orders ship the same day or next day unless otherwise indicated, and you get free shipping on orders over $300. We really appreciate Cruiser for supporting this show, and you guys go show them some support as well. Whoa, 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 guys. Hold on now. You've been listening to a lot of our content, getting a lot of free content lately. If you've been listening to the show for quite some time and enjoy the show, one way you can help support us is join our Patreon. Uh, if you join the Patreon account, you get access to all kinds of content, including GPS studies, giveaways, and videos. Now click the link in the show notes below and join the Patreon today. Uh, I thought the gaps was interesting. How he wasn't talking so much about a terrain feature, but maybe a gap in like some kind of vegetation, whatnot. Um, I actually thought of a, a, a spot right off the bat when he mentioned that, that I think that would work at the place I scouted earlier this summer. Uh, I was telling you about it. Um, place I've never been to, if you know what I'm talking about, there's a scrape right there. Well, that scrape is on one of those, it's on a gap, like kind of like what he's talking about. And it's kind of a combination of what he talked about and what you talked about where you have a cutover and you have a band of like really, really thick stuff along, especially one edge of it. Like maybe it's like a South facing slope. And right there on the edge, you get, like, really, really dense cover. It's hard mm-hmm. to get into. It's just like that. And on the south side, there's a there's a gap in it. And that's right where that trail comes out. And there's a big scrape right there. A bunch of licking branches. That, that, yeah. At the base of a thermal hub. Yep. It's yep. good. Oh. In theory, it's a really good spot. You know, all my, like, deer hunting lingo and everything is supposed to, like, check out. It's like, oh, it's a thermal hub. There's a scrape. There's a this. There's a that. But, you know, we'll see. A lot of compounding features. A lot of compounding features, my man. A lot of buck sign in there too, bunch. So we'll you got see. a camera up there? No, I'm gonna put my second cell camera there. My other cell camera's on another creek crossing, and it's been there for two weeks. And I've gotten a bunch of does and a little old snagglehorn on there, and a bunch of coons. So I'm gonna go get it and move it. I thought it got washed away today, but it didn't. Yeah. Um, dang. Oh, so another takeaway I get from the show um, is the aspect of steep terrain or steep elevator how, um how would you put it S- steep hillsides i guess what how bucks will use that steep terrain to cr- to cruise through and to, to cover ground they're not gonna be on top of the ridge not always gonna be down the bottom but they're gonna be like on that steep terrain kind of while you know going from area to area and that was something i, I got to take away from this um this conversation because michael asked a good question which is a question i want to ask as well now me and michael are on the same wavelength a lot of this episode i was, I was pretty impressed now that bang energy drink who, they should just be a sponsor of the podcast is to provide michael energy drinks for every episode uh dude had you rocking and rolling bro i mean he's still shaking his legs he got both legs shaking not just one <laughs> leg um how the cord was uh he was bouncing his leg and the cord was on top of it and uh rusty was talking and i hear like boom, 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 i know i'd catch boom, myself every now and then like, and and I was like, what is that? Yep. And I realized what it was. But um, Michael asked the question, you know, if, if you have a ridge that goes east to west and there's a drainage coming from the south up to the north I and mean, like coming up into that ridge, you know, are you catching a lot of that movement 
you know, going along the ridge east to west, or are you having more of that movement coming up and down that drainage? And he's like, you know, more times than not, from what it seemed like, unless it was like a more of a U-shaped uh, drainage um, or ditch, you know, a lot of that was kind of side hill. Like, you're just trying to find at what point are they crossing, they're going east to west, what point are they crossing that ditch, and that's where he's setting up the, on. The reason why I asked that is because I, th- I think a lot of it has to do, he said he was more productive with the pre-rut, and pre-rut... I found the same thing. It seems like these deer are the bucks in general are traveling more lengthways, you know, along the ridge. That way they can cut more points, more um, doe trails coming up and down. Um, when I found the uh, ditches to be more productive, going like say north to, that north to south, cutting up in elevation, was in the morning when a lot of these does are like coming back up and going to their little bedding points a lot of times they'll funnel up these ditches and so i've had you know times where there will be several bucks come up with the does in the morning time to go to those bedding spots uh do you have anything else though about uh, rusty's episode before we kind of transition uh-huh. do you want to bang do i want to bang energy drink yeah man you're pretty pretty low energy this outro oh listen i think he's low nervous energy. in front of his little bro I think Jacob's a little, I, I a little shy, man. Jacob too. came yeah. into this. He's like, okay, guys, did, did you like what Rusty talked about? Oh, my God. <laughs> so Andrew wasn't on the last outro, and he was like, oh, I'm going to come on here and talk so much crap about you guys because y'all talk crap about me. I, said, this, uh, I don't even know if we talk crap about you other than old Clifford. That was funny. <laughs> old Clifford. Old Clifford. I'm, I'm going to start calling him Clifford from now like, on. Clifford. That's Bridger. That's Andrew's other dog that Tyler was like, oh, ever since Boone came around, old Clifford ain't seen no love. He <laughs> ain't seen the light of day. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, as soon as Boone came around, old Clifford went back with the pound. <laughs> went back with the mutts. Back with the mutts. Jeez. He is definitely a mutt. But anyways, all right, so we got a got a, a, a killer of the podcast, Thomas Myers. Hey, Thomas, first of all, uh, do a little introduction. Well, my name's Thomas Myers. I'm the non-killer redhead uh brother uh originally from alabama but i go up to college in kind of northwest arkansas and uh just been hunting uh just up here in the mountains and down in the river bottoms a little bit this year did you just say you're the non-killer redhead no non-killer redhead brother Man, you didn't uh, work that good enough. Hey, hey, hooked on phonics worked oh, for him yeah. too. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> it runs in the family. <laughs> it's genetic. I appreciate baby. what you were trying to do. You just, you just missed it, bud. Aaron's <laughs> jeans did not. It did not help. <laughs> the apple didn't fall far from the tree. Huh? No, uh, it, no, it, no, he's just another branch on that tree. <laughs> I'm somewhere on there too. So anyway. <laughs> No, um, so we got Thomas on the podcast. He just had some success uh, killing a really, really nice bear, uh, first bear, uh, and also a uh, a bow kill at that, which is pretty exciting. Uh, but Thomas, we're having having you on the podcast. You know, we're not get too specific on any kind of areas now here, all right? Because you know Andrew's al- always worried about someone you know slipping on some spots, oh, as yeah. he had mentioned earlier on in this podcast. Um, but you again go to school and you hunt a lot in the Ozark uh, National Forest and the mountains up there, and also some in the river bottom as well. Travel a little bit. Um, one thing that I found was interesting this year, and we're going to talk about this, is uh, shifting how you shifted from hunting the river bottoms like you did last year and traveling hunting down there to like, hey, dude, I'm going to go hunt in the mountains and uh, check out a spot up there that you had a little hot tip from uh, from a, from a local. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you're like, yeah. dude, start running trail cameras. You're like, man, there's bucks everywhere up here. It seems like. 
is one thing I've learned just from, I mean, two months of hunting up in the mountains is the, like Richard Fott said, I've talked to him a couple of times, uh, so far this season, but the deer population is nowhere close to what I'm used to in Alabama or in the river bottoms in Arkansas. And with like that being said, even the buck to doe ratio is insane. Like just from running cameras out there for the past two months, I got pictures of two does and then the rest are bucks. So it's kind of not what I'm used to, but Hey, I'll take the bucks. if That's all there is. <laughs> There's worse problems to have. Yeah. Like, like yeah. having cell yeah. cameras that you don't use or, you know, stuff like that. So guns you don't shoot. Guns. Oh yeah, I've got plenty of guns. It's antiques, man. Where's got, that lone wolf custom gear camera? It's in the woods. Y'all just give it to me. I'll go put it out. It's sitting in your closet too, man. Easy there. Hey, I got one of my cell cameras out. I just don't want to be paying for that plan when I'm not hunting. You know. <laughs> oh, five uh, bucks, son. You, uh, not to get us too sidetracked from this story, but is that how that plan works? Like you have to like do some kind of activation, and everything. Once you activate, yeah, you, you activate it, and it's five bucks a month for 250 pictures. Yep. Per camera. So I'm paying five bucks right now. Then I'll be paying ten bucks when I put that one out. <laughs> okay. That's big money around here, boy. It's, it's, it's big, big dog money. <laughs> yeah. No, but um. So Thomas, one thing I want to talk about real quick is uh, again transitioning to the mountains because after doing this episode and the episode with Richard Fott, uh, I've come to see a different perspective on hunting those mountains up there. Um, because you went from kind of hunting the river bottom and hunting stuff like you were, you know, used to in Alabama to kind of going up there. And one thing I think that kind of caught you off guard, maybe me off guard, is the change in elevation and how rough some of that terrain can be and then how those bucks use that because after running trail cameras, it seemed like you kind of, I mean, first of all, you threw a camera out in a specific spot, not to get too much detail. And it, was just, it was a drainage kind of coming up to like the top of a ridge and started catching a bunch of bucks on camera and then trying to play off that. And I think you got, what, nine cameras up there now? I got seven out right now, but I was planning on going, just find a new spot out there, put the other two. Well, but me- one thing I would think- to like uh kind of add to what y'all talking about a little earlier was uh finding these gaps in uh just like a bluff gap for example y'all were saying like these deer will use it for maybe every other four days and you miss it that's kind of like what i'm getting on camera these bucks will come up into these gaps where that's the only way to get up all these steep elevations and they'll be there in that gap maybe not always daylight, but once every, you know, four or five days. That's one thing I've learned so far from that side of it. Yeah, it's it's hard because I know look at your trail cameras, and I was talking to Rusty about this too, the lack of a pattern. Because that's what I was trying to figure out. I was like, is there any kind of pattern to the mountain? And it doesn't seem like it because it's like they're randomly popping up on different cameras. Mm-hmm. But then you had the one morning where you had the two bucks on ca- on like three different cameras all within like an hour and a half. Dude, I was kicking myself. That was, uh, I think it was a Monday morning, three different cameras, one of the nice eights and a little six on three different, ca- they were all over that ridge. If I would, I could have been anywhere and probably saw them. Yep. So, but uh, I want to try to transition over because I want to talk about this bear hunt uh, because I think when you started hunting up there, did someone tell you about bears? When did you first realize that you're like, oh, there's bears up here? Because that was an interesting conversation. Okay, first I would like to tell all y'all's listeners, me, like, I'm from Alabama, so we are not used to bears. I, I don't even think about bears when I'm walking in the woods. And, uh, yeah, last last spring, probably 
at the end of bow season, I started hunting up on the mountain just like maybe three or four times because one of the loafers kind of gave me a general area where to hunt and uh, saw a couple deer. But following like this spring into this opener season, Jacob, you were talking about, man, there's probably bears up there, especially with some of the water sources and stuff around and high elevations. And I was like, man, there ain't no bears out here. Like, I don't know why I was not thinking there was bears. And then, uh, yeah, even then, I was like, there's not bears out here. And then I went in there one morning to check cameras, and I swear I thought it was Bigfoot, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it was a black bear on camera in the daylight. Man, I shut that camera, didn't have nothing, so I ran out of there. But that was when I first realized that I'm right there with them. And I remember you texted me because you said you saw the – all you saw was black on the camera and something that was like – it looked big. And you shut the camera because you're like, oh, I got his big foot. And you ran out of the woods and you called me. And you're like, dude. He's like, you're like, I think I got a bear on camera. I hope it's a bear. <laughs> yeah. It's a Sam squash. <laughs> yeah, man. So, um, it, uh, yeah, I remember you checked that and it was a smaller bear and then you had another bear on camera on the same feed tree. I guess they were feeding on some oaks right there through, uh, coming through is gapping, gapping the habitat, not like a bluff gap, but a gap in the habitat that they were coming through and feeding in, uh, which was interesting. But, um, long, long story short, you started having a lot of cameras with bears on them. And I think you were talking about like you had bears on pretty much every camera that you had up there. And I was telling you, I'm like, dude, I'd be more hyped up to shoot a bear, to be honest, than a, than a deer. Because I can kill a deer in Alabama. I can't kill a black bear down here in Alabama. So, and then you're like, what? You kill a bear? Like, I'm like, yeah, I'd eat it too. Because we, Andrew, uh, when we went to the um, the training day, uh, the uh, GDI oh, yeah. uh, training day, uh, me and uh, Nick Adair from the GDIY, GDIY podcast, everybody, um, did some bear fajitas uh someone brought some bear meat like a rump roast and we did some fajitas with it, it turned out fantastic were, it was delicious it was what, really good. how would you talk how would you talk about the flavor i mean of course you know we had a season everything but like texture and everything because it was a rump roast that's what it was i, uh, I thought it was gonna be kind of tough not because it's bear but because of the uh cut that it was mm-hmm. no man it was so it was so tender i mean the flavor was there it's just different it tastes like it's more beefy-ish I feel like. Yeah, like I hate to even say that because it tastes like bear. It doesn't taste like beef. Uh, absolutely, you know? absolutely. But it was really good. Tiffany loved it too. Yep. She's telling people, you, normally when you get Tiffany to eat something weird like that, she likes it, and then when you tell her what it is, she won't admit it anymore. Like <laughs> one time I fed her a coon, and she was like, this is good. And then I told her what it was. She's like, oh, no, that was disgusting. And so I use it to mess with her in front of people. I'm like, she likes coon meat, but she won't admit it. Now with the bear, though, the other day, you said something about the bear. She's like, oh, yeah, I did like the bear. I was like, oh. Yeah, so, so I'm not ashamed. Well, I was telling Thomas, I was telling you know, I was telling you about you know the the, the meat, and I was like, man, it ta- it tastes good. Plus, you get the fat and everything else. And of course, if anyone listens to the Bear Grease podcast, oh Clay Newcomb, um, you know, kind of, I think you get more and more kind of hyped up to like, man, I'm gonna go shoot a bear now after listening oh, listening yeah. to the show so much. Um, so I was like, I was just telling you, I was like, dude, I'd rather shoot a bear. Like that'd be awesome to shoot a bear. And you're like, okay, well, okay, well, maybe you know this and that because you're talking about like, dude, I'm not even hunting up any, anymore because it's bears. And then uh, kind of walk us through. So walk. I want you to walk us through the hunt real quick. Um, you first of all, you, you killed a really nice bear. But what was the setup? What were you trying to do that day? Because you were trying to go hunt off the ground uh, with your setup and try to go kill a. You trying to hunt some hunt one of the bucks? I think you had on camera, right? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was going out there early afternoon just to try to set up and try to kill a buck. But if we want to jump into it. Uh, Basically, I'm just going to get a quick overview of kind of the area 
just broad basically up there you just got big ridges and they go down into what i call drainages but they're steep drainages and a lot of the ground is just rock bottom on the hillsides and stuff and it's steep so i go out there get out there around 3 three thirty, and i start walking and i'm walking down this ridge and then on the east side the downhill side of the ridge i start going down because that's where I get pictures of those bucks coming up that bluff gap. And uh, so I start walking down and I get to the bluff and these bluffs are, I mean, I'm sure there are some in Alabama, but I haven't hunted any of them where it's just, just straight downhill. And then there'd be a flat bluff rock and then it'd be a 15 foot drop. And then there's a bench right below it. And then it goes back down to the drainage. So one of the locals I've been talking to said, you got to hunt the benches because those bucks are working them. So I was planning on sitting on the ground. So I sit up on the bluff itself on the rock. It's just, and I could see down into the bench and, um, get set up about four o'clock and sit in there. And about five o'clock rolls around. Sun kind of goes under the ridge and, uh, hear like two trees fall to my left down in the drainage come on there's a long ridge just down to my left and it was weird because this not the last time i was out there but the time before i was with uh my girlfriend out there hunting and we heard a tree fall as well i was like there ain't no way there's these many trees falling out here like it's got to be something and it still might just been a tree falling so i don't know and then I'm standing up just looking and I hear walking coming up from the drainage straight over the ridge. And I'm like, man, this has got to be a buck. It's got to be. <laughs> and I'm, I'm shaking already. I'm like, this is going to be a giant. I already know. But you, I mean, it was loud because the leaves are falling. I mean, it's loud. And I'm like, man, that's got to be a buck. And I get my binos out, look, and I see black. I'm like, oh, man. There's that dang this Sasquatch. Is to, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is about to get interesting. And uh, I look, so I get back on my knees, and they are legit walking the bluff, right, like same elevation as me, straight towards me. And I was looking, it's the bear, and I see his head. Where it was a really a sow. And uh, head on it was already, I was like, man, this is a big bear. And I look behind it, and there's another one. And just so y'all know, I'm out there, not smart, I know, I know, out there with my bow, two arrows, no other weapon, okay? So right now, at this point, I'm like, man, I, if I shoot, I got to make a good shot. So they come, they're walking toward me, and when I first came, they're about at 50 yards. And in these bluffs, there's little gaps to where they can, like, just go straight down. So they get about to, they keep walking 15 yards. There's a gap between my rock and the rock to my left. So they drop down onto the bench, walk right below me of the rock I'm on. Like if I was hanging from the rock, I could possibly touch it with my toes. That's how like close they were. And I'm shaking. I mean, I, I couldn't even, I don't know, it's crazy. And uh, well, hold on, right hold on, below hold on. me. Hold on, I'm gonna stop real quick. So they're walking down the bluff that you're sitting on. Like they're on the same rocks that you're sitting on. They're walking right towards you. Exactly. I thought they were going to walk like right on my rock. Yeah. 
and then somehow they so they say you get they get to 15 yards uh so it's a it's a big sow and like a yearling cub uh with her which i think you said it was like what, 100 pounds or so yeah it's probably 100 150 i I'm not really good at judging. Yeah, but it's another, you know, kind of, you know, bear with her. And then they, uh, again, hit the bluff gap 15 yards from me, which I can't believe you held it together even at 15 yards. Yeah. Uh, and, and they drop down below you. And then they're, th- then at that point, they're right below you. I mean, like, you could just drop a rock on Legit, them. Right below. Like, I look right over the rock and she is standing right below me. Like, just right there. And my wind was perfect. It was coming from exactly where they were coming from. And so the wind is dropping off the bluff right below her. And I don't know if she heard me move or smelt me or something. And she turns and looks at me. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, in my eyes. In my eyes. And I was like, man, crazy. So I couldn't shoot her at that point because she's standing right below me. There's no shot. I couldn't, like, do anything. So... For some reason, the other bear behind her just starts walking. So uh, I guess she calms down and she starts walking down to the bench. And at this point, she's at 10 yards, quarter and away, and it's a steep, steep elevation. So I kneel up, aim, and I aim high because of how steep the elevation was because I, I knew if I shot her too low, it would just like slice right down her belly. So I shoot. She runs probably 20 yards while the other bear climbs up in the tree right in front of me and starts making all kinds of Chewbacca noises, man. I mean. As it was climbing the tree? Yes. And just, yeah. Is that and, uh, yeah. Have you, if you were, side note, if you ever watch one of those videos where the guys up a tree stand and that bear's like, oh, like it's like making that noise. That's <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's like right, dude, it gets right next to their face. That's what I'm imagining. He's like, oh, it's like, oh, like just going with the yeah. tree. Sounds exactly. like my dog when he that's gets up it, in the mic. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I get freaking, in here. Yeah, anyways, all right. So, uh, so when you first, when you shot her, which by the way, uh, so Arkansas, you can, um, is an either species, either sex state. So, uh, or male or female, uh, for, for bears. And I think y'all's quoted cause you're in zone one, which is one of the larger zones, uh, for bears. Like the whole, it's like the whole Ozark mountain chain. Um, so you shoot her quartering away at like, how far was she when she was quartering away? Like 10 yards, like 10 to 12 yards. And then you said, so the other bear runs up a tree, and then that bear does what? The one you shot? That bear gets to the, runs about 30 yards away from me on the bench, but where the bench drops back down into the bottom, she's on that uh, line right there. And she just stops there. And uh, at first I was like, did I hit her? I mean, I, I didn't really even see where I sh- like hit her at. And she just starts walking back left broadside. So at that point, I load another arrow and uh, shoot her again. It was probably 40 yards. And uh, after the second shot, she just takes off down in the bottom. And at that point, I don't have any more arrows. I know (laughs) it sounds dumb, but I'm telling you, I loaded my backpack up and walked. Like, I know you're supposed to listen for bear moments and stuff, but that's not what I'm worried about at that point moment. Uh, so I get back to my car. No, well, first off, let me say this. I want to dude. So you call us, you're walking back and I'm sitting here with Andrew. Cause I came over to grab some recording gear and you, I, I wish we could, you know, I asked Andrew, like, Hey, we should record this right now. Cause you called me and you're freaking out on the phone. 
and I couldn't tell if you were joking or if you like you were legit, but you're like, oh, dude, I just I just shot a giant bear. I just, like it, it was right right there underneath me. And, like you were you were making no sense. I was like, what? I was like, hold on a second, say that again. And like, dude, you're like, dude, it was right underneath me. Like it, it was I, it, 15 yards, and it walked down below me, and I just shot it, and yeah, it was it sounded chaotic. And you're like, I'm out of arrows. There's another bear right in front of me. I'm leaving <laughs> and going back yeah, to the car. Exactly what my mind was saying. <laughs> exactly yep so that's just uh again not not used to bears that's the first this is like the first bear she's ever seen while hunting i've never seen a bear while hunting uh, i mean i've seen bears at caves cove in, in tennessee but that doesn't count because i'm in my vehicle while driving through there so um, it's definitely something you will never forget i promise you that for sure so you you run back you call and you're calling me and everything and we were trying to figure out um uh, the legality aspect of you recovering the bear. Uh, I texted a couple of guys, Clay Newcomb as well, and a couple other people, because uh, I was trying to get a hold of Game Warden. Uh, if, if you could recover a bear on the track job and have a firearm with you as like for like self-protection and like preservation of life, uh, which you can. Um, so we were able to get that clarification because like, again, didn't have any more arrows with you at the time. Um, so pretty much what, what, what did y'all do to kind of go about the uh, recovery job? And, and I want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the shot because did you freaking that first arrow you smoked it like i think that deer, i think the bear was gonna fall over dead right there in front of you because it is i'll show you the shot it is re, he freaking smoked that that bear so after i shot her i just went back into town because i needed to grab a lot of uh more flash shots and stuff like that then we headed back up the mountain get out there around so i shot her at 5 20 and it gets dark up here around 7 20 and uh so we went eight and stuff just made sure to get time and stuff because I was still uncertain where I even shot the bear. Uh, so we get back out there around like right at dark, 7.20. And uh, basically we go just straight to where I shot her out. And I mean, everything looks the same on that bluff. So we were looking for blood and I couldn't find any. I was like, man, I must have missed her. And then about five feet to my right, there's just a pile of blood just right there. I was like, man. And then the arrow was sitting right next to it, too. I was like, man, it was a complete passer, so that's that's a good sign. And uh, just going along tracking it, we tracked it down. She ran straight down into the bottom. So we tracked her for about 40 yards down to the bottom. And blood, can I talk about where the shot is? Because that kind of helps with why it was Yeah, Yeah, so absolutely. So I find out eventually that I shot her perfectly kind of pops out of her body and comes out her front left brisket so when she was running downhill i mean that blood was going everywhere i mean it was probably one of the easiest track jobs i've ever had uh so i get down the bottom uh she crosses the bottom goes up the longer ridge uh about midway and then she just starts going parallel to the ridge south and uh track for about i don't know probably another 50 yards and uh the blood just stops on the side of the hill and we're looking around and we're like man there's no way this bear stopped bleeding and uh i'm looking for blood and bella she looks shines her flashlight straight down the hill and uh at that point she saw it and i guess it just fell straight off the cliff fell probably 15 yards and was like that right there. This podcast is supported by Mark's Outdoors. If you're from around Birmingham, you know of a, a staple in the hunting community here, and that would be Mark's Outdoors. 
They've been in business in the same location for over 40 years, family owned and operated, and they have a reputation for being one of the best bow shops in the southeast. As we inch closer and closer to deer season, if you haven't already, it's time to dust off that bow and make sure that she's ready to roll for this hunting season. Go stop by Mark's Outdoors and check out their archery counter with Mark and Robbie, two guys I've known for years, excellent bow techs. They've worked on my bow since I started bow hunting. They got all the knowledge and accessories that you need to get ready to rock for this bow season. While you're in there, also make sure you check out their gun counter. They got a ton of nice rifles, for everything from AR platforms to nice deer rifles, and a bunch of nice shotguns as well. They also have one of the best knife selections in Alabama. I mean, really nice stuff. All kinds of custom knives in there, and their ammo selection is just unbeatable as well. We're thrilled to have Mark's Outdoors on board. We thank them for supporting the podcast. Now we're going to ask you guys to go support them. All right, so you say you're a fan of the Southern Outdoorsman podcast and you love the show. You tell all your buddies, you might even leave us a review on iTunes, but you're not rocking Southern Outdoorsman merch. What's going on? Now you can fix that today. Just head on over to our website, southernoutdoorsman.com forward slash shop. You can check out the new t-shirts, new decals, and everything else we have on the website. Or better yet, you can click the link in the show notes below and go directly to the website from there. Love to see you in the Southern Outdoorsman merch. Thank you guys for the support. You, you've got to talk about how did you get down there and what happened when you got down there? Oh, yeah. So at that point, uh, we're like, we kind of figure it was dead, but you know, I don't know. I didn't know how bears react and stuff. So I uh, was holding the bow the whole time just because I think that was a law we kind of looked at. Like I was the one that had to hold the bow. But when I was going down, I was like, let me hold the gun getting down there cause just to make sure. And it is a steep, muddy bank. So I'm trying to walk down. And next thing you know, I slip and just fall on my butt and slide straight down into the bear. My foot hits the bear and it grunts. <laughs> oh my so, so you slide down and, you, and your foot hits the bear? Yeah, foot hits the bear and it grunts. And I'm like... <laughs> I'll bet you're dead right there. Oh, man. <laughs> my heart stopped. <laughs> and, uh, I guess it was just from the air of the lungs or something, just making it grunt or something. But, man, I not even like, I don't even know if I can cuss, but I almost pooped myself. <laughs> so, so, what, so, the, so the, but the bear's dead. So, again, last yeah, little bit of air comes good. out. You have that little, you know, heart attack spill right there. And then I think what reality hits you and you're like, uh, it's down this drainage. We got to get the spare all the way up this drainage, up the ridge and all the way back to the vehicle. Yep. So, uh, you were telling me before we even ran out there that we're going to have trouble. And I knew it, but I was like, I really want to get this bear out whole without obviously the guts and stuff. So, uh, Oh yeah. By the way, the second shot hit her in the neck and came out her other side of the neck too. But it was, the arrow was still in her when we found her, the second shot. Um, so, yeah, at that point, we're like, I brought my saddle out there so I could kind of use it to pull. And we got her. And at that point, we're looking around, just trying to find her the best way to get out of there. And I'm not lying. One of the comments on one of your Facebook posts clarifies bear hunting to the, like, point. I forgot what the comment was, but it was like, Whenever you shoot a bear, I, do you remember it? Yeah, it, I mean, probably could, we probably could look it up real quick, but it's, it's pretty much once you shoot a bear, after recovering the bear, it makes you not want to shoot another bear. I, yeah, I find more that, to the story. Yeah, 
because it's like it's and, such uh, a rough way to get them out. They're they're so tough because there's like nothing good to hang on hang on to them. You know, with there's no antlers, there's no like you know leg or whatever, and so you got to put a rope around them somehow and start dragging. And uh, it's not hard when they're big and big old freaking head and front end on them. So, um, but anyway, so it was you, it was you, a buddy, and your girlfriend that had to get this bear out of the woods. <laughs> I would have yeah. called, I would have called the search party. I'm like, hey boys, I need like five or six of y'all coming down here. We're gonna be uh, everybody grab a piece of the rope and let's start pulling. Exactly, that's what I needed. But so at this point, we got it. Uh, I tie the harness around her uh, front legs and around her head. And the only way we were able to pull the bear is like three, two, one, pull. And that's what we had to do for an hour and a half down the drainage, back up the drainage, and then like a probably a 60 yard walk to the truck. So, yeah, we uh, finally got her out of there at around like 10. So, we started, tra- it was probably a three hour track and drag, which I was expecting to be way later than that. But, yep. So, after that, really just, took to the processor and uh hung her up and everything but yeah that was that was probably one of the craziest things is uh you know because it was suspenseful suspenseful because you called me i probably talked to you 15 times in a matter of a few hours and uh you called me and you're like okay hey we're going in blah 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 and then you try to call me a few times while actually i guess you found the the bear and i was actually doing a, a listener success story um that actually will drop Friday that this episode actually comes out. Um, but anyway, and I called you back and you're like, Oh dude, we found the bear, but Hey, I'll talk to you later. And I'm like, Oh, well send me some photos. Cause I didn't know. I mean, I don't know if you shot like a, a, you know, I didn't know how big the bear was or how small the bear might have been. And then you finally sent the photo. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> Cause <laughs> I, sent it to, bear. I, I sent it to, uh, I sent it to uh, Clay Newcomb and Clay was like, dude, that's a really good bear. <laughs> and uh, I sent it to Angie. I was like, dude, I'm like, just imagine like freaking, let that thing just like get a hold of you. <laughs> you slide down into it when it's wounded and angry, and it's oh. like, oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's why. But yeah, you got it back and everything. And now, um, so for your Christmas present, I'm going to get it done as a, a taxidermy rug for you. So, so we're doing, I'm about to drop, drop to uh, Arkansas on Saturday, which we're recording this on a, what is it today? Thursday. And uh, drive it up there. I'm gonna pick up the pick up the meat, pick up the uh, the cape and everything, bring it back here. We're gonna get that sucker done as a rug with the tax area in my head. It's gonna look awesome. So jealous. Congrats, dude. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was awesome. So what what's your uh, what's the biggest uh, I guess what's the couple things that you've learned from that experience of uh, you know taking your first bear and everything else? The unexpected is definitely one of the most memorable things that you ever have in your life. But as far as the hunt goes, uh, be prepared, especially because you never know what is going to happen, especially in situations where you're up on the mountains or anywhere that you're not really sure what to expect. But also have way more men out there than two. That's, <laughs> that's one thing for sure. Maybe carry more arrows. <laughs> yep. Exa- just preparedness. Yeah, just, that's a word. Yeah, yeah you using that Myers terminology. Clearly, you can tell we're kin. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's awesome. Now, hopefully, dude, we're gonna come up there. I'm gonna hump, come up there and hunt. Actually, the week this episode drops, uh, I'll be going up there for a mu- the opening day of muzzler season. So, 
Hopefully, I don't know, get a bear, get a buck. I don't know. We're going we're gonna to try to see what we can get into. Whatever strolls by. Whatever strolls by. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know what I've come to find out? Because I know some guys that, like, have tried to kill bear, kind of like what you did, like, in a uh, like an area. You're in, it's a non-baited bear. So, like, you're just catching it on natural movement and, like, how difficult that can be. And the guys I know that have done it, a lot of times it seems like they're deer hunting and then, you know, bear season's in and a bear just comes by the same kind of terrain feature, kind of like in this situation. Mm-hmm. It's like the guys I know that have gone out there specifically for bear, at least some of them, like, it's like a struggle because you're trying to find bear. But then, like, the times when you're not trying to find bear, you find bear. There so, he is. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. The, the story of uh, story of life. Also, the as sheep it's... Sheep hunt of the South. That's... Man, you took it from me. Yeah. <laughs> the sheep hunt of the South. Sheep hunt of the South. Mark uh, Izzard hit me up... Uh, I guess the night he killed it, or maybe last night, two nights ago. I don't know. Thomas, what'd you kill that bear? Was it two nights ago now? Two afternoons ago? Tuesday. Tuesday yeah. and today's Thursday. Yeah. So on Wednesday, he hit me up about some recipes. He said, Hey, I got a good bear recipe for you. Oh, nice. Like, sweet. But uh, awesome, dude. Well, hey, hopefully you can kill a buck. Maybe you can kill a buck before I come up there. That'd be awesome. You're going to be able to hunt tomorrow? I was going to go in the morning. He was? Why are you, why are you saying was? Like, I'm, I'm planning on it. Okay. I'm planning. <laughs> Am I doing any that late? Come on now. Awesome. Well, uh, appreciate you coming on the podcast, sharing that, dude. Hopefully, we'll do a little, uh, maybe another little roundtable uh, situation uh, next week when we're up there uh, hunting. That'd be kind of cool. Kill another, I don't know, bear or buck and uh, talk about that around the I don't know, old campfire. But awesome. Well, Andrew, you got anything? I know Andrew was jealous. I was telling I was jealous, man. I want a bear so bad. <laughs> like, that's what. I, I would very much like to kill a bear pretty soon, one of these years. I always, last couple of years, I've been saying I'm going to go to like Georgia or somewhere and try it, but I just haven't done it yet. I'm, I really missed my chance back when I was buying Georgia licenses every year. Should have done it then. But, yeah, man, congrats. That's, uh, that's, that's really awesome. That's on my bucket list for sure. Let me tell you this. I, I got a funny story about Andrew's mom. Um, that's a weird way to intro this, but here we go. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, then. Yeah, calm down. Yeah, calm down. <laughs> no, so uh, we were at a little family gathering, uh, I guess it was yesterday, and uh, anyways, we were talking about the bear, and I was telling like, yeah, I was like, hey, you know, Thomas killed this bear, and I was, I was showing Andrew's mom, and she's like, oh, why, why would you shoot a bear? And I was like, well, they taste good, and plus you got you to manage them, and I'm like, and it's cool to have like a bear rug, and um, I, she was ta- I was talking about the meat aspect, and she's like, oh, she didn't care anything about eating it, but then when I brought the bear rug, she's like, oh, I want that. Like, was, like you, you have the meat. I just want the bear rug. And I'm like, well, you're just, you know. Yeah, I need to work out some kind of deal with her. Be like, hey, if you finance my trip and everything, I'll go get you a bear rug. Yeah, there you go. So that's awesome. But that was the story. Easy enough. Michael, you got any takes on old bears? Have you ever ran into a bear? No. This is why we should have Tyler. We should have had Tyler on this episode. He could he could have gotten some feedback. <laughs> yeah. Are you uh, are you able to teach um, archery lesson at? First Baptist of Geraldine anytime soon. <laughs> he hasn't listened to the outro, so I don't know if he's, he, he's not picking up what you're saying. Uh, yeah. Jacob's going to bring his bow, and we need you to give him some tips on shot oh, placement. Yeah. I, I, he, he shoots them low, high, back, never in that right spot, you know? <laughs> Called the Myers Shake. Awesome. Uh, well, Thomas, appreciate you coming on the podcast, dude. Uh, other than that, I think we'll just wrap up the outro. Just want to kind of do a little update. Uh, talk about that hunt, dude. Talk about the bear, dude. Listen, I'm very interested in getting that bear's uh, skull scored. It's got a huge head on it. I mean, it's got a big head on it. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious if it might would break Pope and Young, which is, I think, 18 inches, uh, which I found this out. I didn't know how they scored bears. I thought it was just the length, but it's length plus the width. 
uh, of the actual skull as um, that number added together is, is how you get the, the total score. So I'm very curious because, uh, again, it's a, it's a big, big SOB. But uh, all right. So uh, what we're going to do is uh, – oh, should we, should we do dog names first and then reviews? Probably. Because more people are probably going to listen to the dog names. They'll probably tune out at the, at the, uh, the review time frame. All right, so dog names. So listen, I'm getting a puppy. And by the time this episode drops, it'll be the next weekend. So pick it up on October 23rd. It's a female. Deutsch Kurtzar, otherwise known commonly as German short hair pointer from Rusty Gun Kennels out of North Carolina. So need a good name. Had a couple of them uh, get submitted. Uh, we haven't had a review, though, come in yet with a name is what is there. But well, I don't uh, think we've mentioned it, have we? Andrew I mentioned it. Andrew did, after. but he also I don't think he mentioned it was a female. So I think we're going to get some. Some male names. Well, hell, you put you mentioned it. It's a female on the Instagram, and everyone's writing in with guy names. I noticed that. I was like, "What's going on here?" So well, apparently, it doesn't matter for y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Someone said, "Name it Andrew or Juicy." <laughs> Juicy Lucy. That's terrible. Don't. That's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hit me after I said it. Hit me after I said it. All right. Here's one that says, "Name it Gucci because uh, she sounds as high maintenance as the ginger himself." What do you think, Gucci? Accurate. No, I don't like it, but accurate. All right. What about, okay, Luke Herline. Well, Luke, our buddy Luke. Rosie, because red, duh. 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 You like Rosie? Nah. Michael, what do you think about these? Michael, come on. Clifford. <laughs> Clifford. <laughs> For a female? Well, okay. All right. Um, big Sasky man says Faye. Yeah, no. Nope. Not, not, not feeling on that one. Come on, man. I'm, I'm just, no. It's, no, negative. All right. Uh, Captain Jed Mund 42. I'm so glad you're reading these. Clementine. Clementine. No. Far too many syllables. It's, yeah, it, w- it wouldn't be a good call name in the field. Uh, all right. Matthew Reeves. Oh, Matt Reeves, man. Hope to see you in camp in a couple weeks, buddy. Uh, ginger or Pepper? I like Pepper. I can see. I like Pepper because she looks, she's like peppery looking, you know? Yes. Yeah, hey, I vote pepper. You love pepper? Okay. All right. So, how many votes is that for pepper? I like pepper. He likes pepper. You like pepper? I vote pepper. Okay, three for pepper. You don't like pepper? Uh, it had to grow on me. I just, I don't know. It's got to grow on me. Amy. I work with Amy. No, thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, Ginger Briar from Travis Lee Fifty Six. The whole Briar. I, was, I guess you could do Briar for a female. Yeah, I think you could. I think that's a cool name. I wanted to name Boone that, but Briar. Tiff wouldn't let me. She said Briar's hey, oh, are but, mean. But, by the way, I, I, I was going to say bonus for uh, a B name because it's a B litter. So her call or her pedigree name, whatever, it's Rusty Gun. Uh, but, oh, I would mess this up. Hold on. It's a name of a bourbon crap. Baconi? I think, yeah, Baconi. Uh, Rusty Gun Baconi. And then whatever, you know. I decided to name her. So the pedigree Briar, name is like for... B. No, uh, yeah, the explain, pedigree explain name, yeah, the pedigree name is for uh, like people searching pedigrees. So it's like, it's Rusty Gun's B litter, so it's their second litter, I guess with them. I'm not quite sure how that... So it's like their second litter, and so all the pups will have a B name. So Boone was from the B litter, uh, and his his uh, pedigree name is Maple Ridge's Bobber, because they named him Bobber for his pedigree name. His call name is Boone, which is what I named him. Spot on. Um, and then Cupcake. Cupcake's funny. All right. Outdoor fella left a whole bunch. He left a bunch of them. All right. River. Mm-mm. Dixie. Too common. Scout. Nope. 
Retta, short for Beretta. Nate, I don't own a Beretta. Willow, like the Willow Oak Tree. Uh, I do like this next one, though. Scarlet, kinda, like the Scarlet Oak. I kind of like that one. I kind of like it. kind of like it. <clears throat> Maya, after Jeremiah Johnson, or Pope. No, Pope. Nah. No. Sir Brown, 22. Pope is a boy name. Maya's not bad. Maya's not bad. Uh, Biscuit, obviously, says Alex Boykin. Yeah. Mm. Oh, Alex. <laughs> uh, Another Maya. Oh, I didn't see the second Maya. Is that Maya or Mia? M-I-A. Oh, Mia. Mia. I read that as Mia. Yep. Um, all right. Um, B. Uh, Frazier, I think. Uh, Sadie. No. Man, just no energy. Maybe. I don't know. This, no this energy. Hit, no, if you don't, if you don't like it, you gotta hate it. You gotta be like, oh no, no, no I don't, I don't hurt these people's feelings. They, they, you know, they wrote in, man. All right, um, uh, oh. Mason, uh, something twenty one, shorty, uh, fits the short haired pointer. No, no, no. shouty, a w up in there. No, shouty. <laughs> Devin Duncan said, "Bell." I had a, we had a bell growing up, so I don't think you can. I'll, I want to name a dog that, like yep. from you ever see that movie, The Biscuit Eater. The Dis- Disney movie from the seventies—they're killing quail, all kinds of stuff. Back when Disney was cool, oh. yeah. Her, he, there's a dog in that movie named Silver Bell. She's real cute. <laughs> um, uh, Tatman Seth, uh, Bertha, <laughs> Big Bertha. <laughs> Neg- negative, negative. There. All right. Uh, Taylor, Taylor Goodwin, Colton's girlfriend says I, I Oakley. That. Yeah, no. Chungus. Chungus. No. Who was that's um. Whose dog's name Chungus? Isn't that a meat eater? No, his na- his dog's name is Mingus. Me- okay, yeah, it's a it. random name. Um, Dee Dee, short for Dive Deep, of course. T- Nick T Hall. Good try, Nick. Good try. <laughs> All right, for my friend Will Kissinger, Prairie. That's interesting. I I, ca- I like where you're going. Uh, not the look. Turn that way and yell the word Prairie three times. No. That's how that's how you test out whatever I, name I you're thinking. Abso- I did I that with Boone. I did that with all Boone's names. And nobody was, you know, when I'm like working at the house by myself, I'd be like, let me try this one out. And I just yell it a couple Boone. times. Yeah. And now he's gonna come knock on the door. Yeah, now he's gonna he's gonna get him fired up. Yep. Um uh T J U P twenty seven Moxie. Mm. Not really feeling it, but you know, I don't like where he's going though. All right. That's pretty much all of them. You ain't gonna say juicy? You read those at the beginning. Oh, Juicy and Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. You know how weird that would be if one of us had a dog named after one of us? <laughs> this is Jacob. Oh, my God. Hey, Jacob, you son of a... Get back in here. <laughs> get out of that trash. Jacob, heal. So we were talking about Steve, your your, your father-in-law. <laughs> Jacob, I was like, I was like No, no. When you were going to get Boone, I was like, man, you need to name it Steve, which is Andrew's father-in-law. It's so like, like a boss. Steve, yeah. Right? But like, I'm like, I'm like, Steve, come here. <laughs> Steve, Steve, here. Get out of that mud hole, Steve. Get over here. <laughs> oh, man, that's Boone. I, I took him out to like this giant rocky field the other day because I was just wanting him to like run around in the grass and maybe find like a quail or a dove or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes like running around through there, and I just hear it. He's like running through this tall grass, and I just hear a splash. I was like, oh, my God. And so I walk over there, and he found like the only mud hole in this whole place, and he's like coated in like black thick mud i mean like painted on him it was bad and i didn't bring him in the dog box either he was in the truck my nice new leather interior did, how did how did that play out i had a lot of cleaning bud a lot of cleaning 
you need a backpack sprayer. That actually probably wouldn't be a bad thing. Like keep a backpack sprayer <clears throat> in your truck with some water and just like yeah, hose them out, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, dude. Speaking of that, we're gonna be so busy track doing uh, some. Uh, well, hopefully, uh, we might be tracking some of Mike's deer, but do some training. Um, once we get all the pups, I know I'm excited so for you to gonna, get your. We're, so we're, we're gonna have a pack, bro. I have a training buddy now, man. Because I, I was telling you, I, like it's a, uh, it's some for some certain tasks. Uh, I love my mom and I love Tiffany, but sometimes it's kind of hard to train with them because that you know they don't they don't do what we do. So it'd be nice to have uh have you have a dog so we can get together and train a bunch. Mm. And I just ran the NA test, so now I can give you all the tips, man. Oh yeah. We got to talk about that a little bit, get a little yeah, update. Dude. Had some people asking. So, what is the NA test again? So, the natural ability test with NAVDA is uh, basically a test where you take your dog there when it's very young and it tests the natural ability of the dog. So, it's like pre training or anything like that. Like, I haven't really t- taken him out and taught him how to do anything yet. It's just seeing what the genetics of the dog has to be. So, you got like pointing. You've got uh, tracking and water work. And so you're supposed to see if he naturally does stuff like here. I got the scorecard right here. So the categories are use of nose, search, water, pointing, tracking, desire to work, and cooperation. So you're basically seeing how well he uses his nose, whether or not he'll just naturally point uh, when he gets out there, whether or not he'll get in the water whether he searches well, so if he, like, works the field and, and is able to, like, find the birds and everything. Uh, and then the tracking, um, they basically get a pheasant and they pull flight feathers from one wing and uh, they set the pheasant on the ground and let it run off. And he comes back a couple minutes later and uh, the dog never saw the pheasant. And so you're supposed to bring him to where the feathers are and put his nose in it and everything and you can take a step or two down the track uh, where the pheasant ran, and ba- you're not you're not allowed to say anything to your dog at all. You just like are holding him, and then when you think he's got it, you just let him go and see what he does. Uh, and so that tests like his focus. You know, if he smells that, he's like, oh, there's a track right here. He follows it and goes and finds the bird. So it, it it's like I don't know. It's just like a, a well-rounded way to look at the quote-unquote natural ability of the dog, and it gives you a good idea of what the real genetics are. So like when you're going to buy a dog. You can look at the the test scores from the parents and the grandparents, the great-grandparents, and if you see a bunch of really good natural ability scores, then that's a good sign. That's what you want. So that's kind of what the test is. And how did he do? He did a uh, 103 prize two, which is uh, at six months old. I'm super, super thrilled with that. He did better than a lot of dogs there that were twice his age. So the highest score is a 112 prize one. Um, just missed out on a prize one. And, uh, the only things he got, he got perfect scores in use of nose, water, pointing, and desire to work. Uh, the only things he got docked on, he got docked on search, uh, a point because he wasn't, um, I don't know. I guess when your dog is out there hunting with you, it should be, he should be like a windshield wiper going back and forth through the field. Like, and he should be working that cover and using his nose and trying to smell stuff. Well, he's using his nose, but he doesn't quite do the whole windshield wiper thing. He's kind of like running around aimlessly. Not really aimlessly. I mean, he was kind of doing it. Um, the I talked to the judges afterwards, and they said it was prize one work, but there was another part later that I'll get into which, that kind of brought him down to the prize two level, which is still great. I'm still thrilled with it. Um, the only other thing he got docked on was tracking. And it was that pheasant track. 
which I thought for sure he would have because we've done that before. But I think it was maybe a little bit error on my part because I think I let him go too early because you're supposed to hold on to him and show them the track and then let him go. Well, I don't think he had it because, man, I let him go, and he just, like, went to the left, and the pheasant went to the right. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and so he kind of, like, worked around for a little bit, worked around for a little bit, and so the judge was like, okay, we can take three steps down the trail. And so we take three steps down the trail, and Boone's, like, working around, and he kept going back to the pile of feathers and, like, looking at it, and he's, like, trying to figure out what's going on because we're all just standing there. You're, you can't say anything. Everyone's dead silent. And so Boone's like, what are we doing? And he kind of gets back around in front of us and he hits the trail and he like, he got it like that. And he stops and he starts like real slowly and methodically just like working this trail like a beagle. Like when you're rabbit hunting, you know, they'll like, they'll start to get something and they all like stop and they're like working, you know, I mean, just barely walking, but they're smelling really fast. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he goes and he goes into the tall grass where the pheasant was and, uh, he gets like, I don't know, 10 feet in there. And point, he goes on point. And I was like, yes, he found it. And then the judge ran over there, and uh, he held steady for the judge. And then when the judge got up to him, uh, he broke and flushed the pheasant and caught it and gave it to the judge. So that was good. Got some points on that. So, yeah, the combination of the uh, the the fact that during the search, he wasn't, quote, unquote, like working with the group. He was more of just kind of like off searching on his own. He wasn't searching like in front of me, quote unquote, for me, I guess. And then that, that little thing with the track where we just had to take three steps down. It, the judge basically said if he had done a little better on either one of those, he would have done a prize one. But like I said, dude, I'm thrilled with him. It's funny with the water because uh, there's a lot of dogs that wouldn't go in the water. And Boone, um, they were like, okay, there's like this pile of bumpers, and they're like, get the get the bumper and get your dog fired up to get him to go into the water. And I, I take him off the lead, and I'm going to reach for a bumper, and he just like runs down in the water. I was like, yeah, good boy. <laughs> so he, he swam for him three times, so he got a perfect score on, uh, on the water. And then they put four birds out for him, and he found all four of them, and he pointed three of them, so... Perfect score on the point. Sweet. Yeah, man. Oh, dude, he's just getting after it. I'm thrilled, dude. I'm thrilled. No, uh, I wish I could have been there, but. What about uh, Bristol? What? Oh, the name? Hmm. Bristol. <laughs> Bristol. Bristol. Yeah, that's what Andrew said. Hey, Andrew, hey, Andrew literally <laughs> just said, hey, just turn around and, and yell it real quick. Hot, man, quit messing with it. Hey, I'm, I'm just messing with the mic. Don't worry about it. All right, here we go. Bristol. That's not a bad name. I like that. Bristol. That's, yeah. a, that's a good name. Yeah, I like it. NASCAR. What well, What are your top three right now? Um, thought about Heidi, which was one. I like. I do like Bristol. Bristol is. I, I like Bristol. Maybe put Bristol in there. Um, I I had Athena for a long time, but then I was like, that's a terrible call name, Athena. Athena. That's like me, me and my th like. Yeah, it'd be terrible. Athena. Oh man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I still like Pepper. I think Pepper's a good name. Pepper. I like Pepper too. I like Pepper. I like Bristol too. That's cute. Okay, Pepper's growing on me a little bit. Yeah. Pepper. Hmm. I mean, I see it, but you know, I'll be honest. I, I'm, I've never been a huge fan when someone names a dog or something. Based off like a direct characteristic, like Spot, because you got spots. Because I had a dog named Spot. Love Spot to death. 
I'm like, you can be a little more creative than that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so where are your top names right now? Uh, still like Heidi. I like Bristol. Bristol's pretty good. I like that. I mean, that was that was pretty. Coming in clutch. Mike came in. Mike came in super clutch right there. Um, I don't know. Still kind of like Heidi. Um, what do y'all think? Eh. You don't like that name? No. Eh. Mike knew Mike knew a Heidi back in the days. So he's like, no, cut that out. <laughs> yep. Cut that out. Heidi. That was back to like Colorado, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> back in 2005, baby. Let's go. Yeah. No, yeah. Okay. So we won't use Heidi then. I don't know. Pepper. Pepper. Bristol. Bristol's unique. Yeah, I've never I've never heard a dog named Bristol. That's a good point. Yeah, have unique dog names. Man, I I, I wish that its uh, mom wasn't named Calypso because that's the coolest that, name ever. That is a if I had a girl dog, awesome. I'd name it Calypso. That that name's awesome. Dude, dude, y'all, listen, y'all have a dog. I wanted a girl dog initially. But a girl dog, just a female dog. Okay, whatever. I don't know. I wanted I wanted a girl initially, but we wound up with old Boone. So it is what it is. Oh yeah, you did want a female early mm-hmm. on. I was pretty dead set on it, and then after a while, I was like, "Whatever, I'll take I'll take whichever one." I I was more interested in the the right like pairing than the sex of the dog. I like Bristol. Bristol's really growing on me, dude. Bristol, Bristol, come on, Bristol, 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 Pepper. I like Pepper too. Dang. Oh, Piper. That's that's a Marshall's dog. Uh, he's no, got black. I want to name my daughter Piper one day. Well, me and Tiffany like that name. But so, but when I was getting at Marshall, um, he's got a uh, black lab named Piper. She's awesome, dude. She's like, she's like one of those like smaller black labs. She's only probably like maybe fifty pounds, fifty five pounds, and she's like a little pocket rocket, bro. <laughs> like she's awesome. But yeah, Piper, Pepper. I don't know, dude. I have to Pretty cut. good. Bristol's good too, dude. Bristol. Oh, that's the only thing. What else did you come up? So in the whole time you've been wanting to get this dog, uh, I, said, I, said, well, no, I said, I said, I would do this. I said, well, well, in the reviews. Well, they better leave reviews quick because it's within a week of me picking that dog. To come home in yeah. the reviews. I got paperwork to fill out. Leave, leave a comment. Bristol or Pepper. Okay. There you go. Now you're talking. I like that. Debbie Downer. <laughs> Name her Debbie. Like little Debbie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now we're talking. Then when she gets and then when she gets bigger, name her old Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> old Deb. Old Deb. Oh man. Oh, that's funny. That's uh, good. If I ever have a little black lab, I'm gonna name it Little Debbie. Little Debbie. <laughs> Wait, come on, Debbie. Debbie's. I don't know. Uh, the Deborah when she gets we had a stray cat come up when I was younger. My dad named it Itty Bitty Kitty. When it, <laughs> when it got bigger, he named he started calling it Itty Bit Bigger Kitty. <laughs> uh, all right, Mike, you ready for uh, oh, anything else about dog names? Anything else? Bristol, Pepper. Those are the two front runners. Oh, Bristol. Yep. Y'all leave us a review. You can start without, and I'll read the next one. All right. So this is from how, how do you say Olivia's last name? Olivia Gausco. Anyways, special request, five stars. Uh, by the way, before I will get into this, re- reading all the iTunes reviews, appreciate everybody leaving us iTunes reviews. Uh, again, if you enjoy the show, you can go and just leave us a review. Let us know like with the dog names and everything else. Uh, appreciate the feedback. But it's from Olivia, five stars, special request. First, I'm writing this review per special request from someone in the room. Name rhymes with Thrilla. Dun, dun, dun. The Dilla. Second, I'm a real person. My name is Olivia, not Larry. Pause for dramatic effect. 
I'm a woman who I am a woman who has just started seriously hunting this year and came across your podcast. And now I'm a walking billboard for you guys. I absolutely love the show, and I think you I think you guys should have me on as a guest. Uh, I love talking about hunting to just about anyone that will listen. Again, great show. Where's my T-shirt I pre-ordered? Andrew Maxwell. Shipping. It, it should, actually, by the time this comes out, she Shipped should already. Shipped yesterday. Yeah, she should already have so it. So, like, last week by the time you hear this. Yep. And uh, did it make... Hold on. <laughs> did you make it through this? Did you make it through reading this? Or was it a hooked-on phonics <laughs> I think that read? last sentence just answered your question. <laughs> <Yeah>. L-O-L. <laughs> Thanks, Olivia. So... The funny thing, the story behind the Larry thing. Um, so y'all said we had a, a listener that was a female, and I was like, you know how? Well, there's, there's more than one, but okay, keep going. <laughs> yeah, like we have. Well, we, I, the, have you looked at the Patreon? Yeah. Okay. Anyways, yeah, but, I keep going, Michael. But but this is the one that you've mentioned before. So yeah, she's left Jake, us a lot of reviews, right? And and is constantly like tagging us and mm-hmm. and stuff. So anyways. Um, so I I told Jacob I was like I was like Jacob I was like we don't we don't we don't even know if this is like a real person because you know on the on the forums you know you'll get a guy who <laughs> creates a fake profile as a as a girl and I said this is probably a guy named Larry and he's probably like fifty something years old and he's just <laughs> screwing with you <laughs> so ended up finding out uh, a mutual friend I was like hey is this person real <laughs> she was like <laughs> she was like yeah that person's real I've I've met them before, so. That's funny. Oh, that's hilarious. All right, next one. Uh, Andrew, you got it. We'll leave the short one for, for Mike. All right, October from FJ Outdoors. Great podcast, five stars. With, out, with October looming and season starting all over the South, what episode do you guys recommend for early season in the South? Depends on where you're at. Are you hunting feed trees? Are you in river bottom? Hill country, mountains, what are we dealing with here? As an early season episode, if you're going to be hunting features, probably Richard Fott, episode 118, highly would recommend. Um, Robert Carter, which I think he's the same. He might be like 120-something. Uh, just You can type in Robert Carter. Uh, he's another good one for features. Uh, if you're not hunting features, um, I'm trying to think of another good one. What, what, what do you have, Andrew? Come on. I mean, you, it's not like you haven't done 287 or 88 of these episodes. So. I mean... Uh, the classics, you know, Glenn Solomon, Richard Fott, um, Josh Driver's first episode. Yeah, was a, a really good episode one forty one. Absolutely, actually, I uh, did a another. So I recorded one listener success, one listener success story <laughs> this week, and uh, episode one forty one was a factor. And it's a guest we've had on before, uh, so it's the second year he's been a listener success story. Uh, but some of the other ones I've talked to you as well, like that episode 141 by far has had the most, uh, you know, success stories come from. Yep. So, but anyways, yeah, all those are really good. All right. Next one. Uh, the next one's by a bunch of random letters. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that's a weird, that's a weird name (laughs) titled, uh, well done. Best hunting program on this platform. They let the guests talk and don't talk over each other excellent info keep it up fellas man i wish you'd tell some of those people on facebook that's the case <coughs> lord of mercy that jacob was catching well, it these yeah, last yeah. couple weeks that, that bill Vale episode i was like man i'm like listen guys i mean i had, yeah, to, I had to stop highly scrutinized yeah i had to stop them a couple social times media. yeah i was like lord not really there's no, like it, three people it was, it was like two or three guys now, I, I talked to two of them and they're like oh it was, yeah it was just that episode all right next one this is from Native to nature, long-winded, 
but pumped may want to, and I can't read the rest of it, unfortunately, but it's five stars. I want to thank you guys for your dedication to the podcast. I've been a listener for about two years now. I went out this afternoon to a local wildlife management area, ended up decided to make it a scouting mission after replaying some of the past episodes in my head. I found good buck sign and followed it to even better sign. Found a ton of fresh scrapes under licking branches. Uh, some even had green leaves on the broken parts laying in the scrape. Nice. I found a rubbed mountain laurel with broken branches over an inch in diameter as well. I never sat down to hunt as intended, but still, but still found the trip to be a complete success. I now have a great understanding of this buck's area and will be prepared the next time I go in. In the past, I would have set up on the first sign I had saw, I saw and never would n- never knew the rest existed. Thanks for helping me become more efficient with the limited time I have in the woods. It's a good one. All right, this one's from Baby Brush Hog. Um that's a great name by the way. <laughs> Baby Brush Hog. Uh, uh, Judah Morris, 49 deer season, uh, five stars. If you got them jitters to shoot some critters, <laughs> then you ought to go check out some of this rack chasing crack, even though some of these old boys don't mind shooting deer that ain't got no sack. Hashtag Andrew Maxwell. <laughs> Hashtag ain't no meat like no meat. <laughs> <laughs> this one, this is my new favorite review, man. Oh my gosh. Uh, I love listening to this podcast. It's hands down the best podcast for a southerner to learn more about killing deer. The guests are always helpful and full of good information, and the hosts are always asking the right questions and keeping it fun. Thank you for keeping us fired up for open a day 24 7. Keep up the good work. Golly, that got me. <laughs> shooting deer. If, listen, if you get them jitters <laughs> to shoot some critters, bro, I love that. If you got them jitters, shoot, shoot some them critters. critters. Oh man, <laughs> sounds that, like a new country song. That is yep. awesome. That, that is, should be the that should be the jingle for the intro <laughs> for this podcast. We ought, we ought to do that. Yes, Anybody a musician out there want to write us a jingle? Yeah, oh, Drayton Farley, baby. Mm-hmm. All right, Michael, you gave the last one, dude. Uh, it died on me. Oh, here we go. I got you. Of course it. Listen, let me tell you right now. <laughs> Michael don't know how to charge anything. If it's electronic, it's dead if Michael owns it. <laughs> I got it. All right. Um, in game, TN Hunter, uh, laughing emojis, five stars. Y'all got to get Tyler on the show more. Getting some funny looks at work from laughing out loud. Thanks, guys. I needed that. Keep it up. <laughs> yep, Tyler's uh, well-received. Yeah, he's yeah. a character. He's a character, man. He's a character. Get him on some... Uh, some shows this fall and some hunting camps and stuff. Yep. Wild and crazy. Makes it fun. Awesome. Well, appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. Listen to the outro. This one's been kind of crazy and hectic. I know Andrew's had a blast editing this by the time this part's coming out. Uh, <laughs> um, but other than that, by the time this comes out, see, Alabama's season will... Almost be open. It'll be open the next day. It'll be open, open Friday. Or, I'm sorry, this comes out on Wednesday, so it'll come out that Friday. Friday will be the opener. I'm hunting, boys. Beautiful. All right. Appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. Michael, you guys send us off on this week's uh, outro. Y'all stay Southern. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman. And thank you to Blackberry Smoke for the music for the podcast. Also, to follow along with us, make sure you check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. 
And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Until next time, y'all stay Southern. Look, last summer, y'all heard us talk a bunch about the Mobile Hunters Expo. It was an incredible event. A bunch of you guys came out to meet us. We got to talk to, I don't even know how many listeners. If you heard all that last year and you were like, dang, that sounded cool. I should have went to that. Here's your chance. You need to make it to this one. It's June 28th through June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. All right. Giving you a heads up here. So go ahead and mark it on your calendar. June 28th through June 30th, Dalton, Georgia is going to be the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. We're going to be there. A bunch of our past podcast guests are going to be there. There's going to be seminars. All of the mobile hunting companies are going to be there for you to try out gear before you buy it. It's like the one event of the year where all of the the, like the mobile hunter ecosystem just kind of congregates in one place. And Chris and Josh and the guys have done an absolutely phenomenal job putting this thing together over the last couple years. And it keeps getting better every year. So like I said, make sure you come see us. We're going to have a gigantic stack of free stickers to give away to every listener that stops by the booth. And we're going to have merch there to purchase. We're going to be recording podcasts, shooting videos, all kinds of stuff. So like I said, don't miss it. You can head on over to the mobilehuntersexpo.com to look at show schedules and dates and go ahead and grab your tickets. So y'all go check it out at the mobilehuntersexpo.com.